0: Good morning. It is good to be back with you today. I'm sorry, but the reason, because I was, Friday, I was on the beach at Panama City, and Charlie called me, and he had to have an emergency second eye surgery, and so the regular preacher, for those of y'all who are not familiar, the regular preacher is not here, and he called me, and we were coming home, and I was actually working on a sermon for my son-in-law's church two weeks from now, I said, yeah, I can put something together pretty quickly so got home i'm here for those who don't know i am uh, i'm giles lindley on campus i'm dr lindley in the communication department but before that i was the pastor here at first Methodist, brother giles and so spent a number of years forty years as a methodist pastor still am a methodist pastor still allowed to call myself that but i retired from that job a few years ago been full-time in the communication department in mississippi state for the last five years off on summer vacation with my grandbaby and having a good time on the beach. But uh, I do hope Charlie gets better quickly, and I was working on something. So, this is this may take a minute to come together, but hang with me. But we're going to start off with a scripture from the fifth chapter of Romans. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access into this faith in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that was given to us at the right time. Because you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Verily, rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though a good person for a good person, one might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we, were in, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, glad to be here with you. I, I've been, been here three of the last four weeks, so I'm getting, getting, getting used to it. I didn't used to come down here that much. I was pretty much the up the street preacher, and I apologize to the people who come down here to get away from the up-the-hill preaching, but here here, here I am, and, and we're just playing the cards that were dealt us. So I was preparing this sermon for my son-in-law's church. He's pastor of Black Mountain United Methodist Church in North Carolina, and they he has to go to a meeting, and I'm going to go up there and play with my grandchildren and, uh, and preach for him in a couple weeks, and he gave me a theme. He said, our theme this summer is summer activities. And they were going to do some scripture lessons that kind of tie into a vacation or camping. He said, is there any summer theme that you want? And I said, I've got one. I am going to take baseball. Because I have got stories and lessons to go with baseball. And so we're going to see how it goes today. And if it goes well today, this is what the folks will get at Black Mountain United Methodist Church in a couple of weeks. Uh, I chose the topic of baseball because I love baseball. I was never any good at it. I played three years of organized ball as a kid and quickly discovered I was a much better swimmer. I did not like, did not have good spatial orientation catching a fly ball and I did not like having fast things flying at me so I was not a good baseball player. We have some good baseball players here but I was not one of those. I was a swimmer, enjoyed that, but I still I still love the game. Now I realize for those of us who are Mississippi State fans our relationship with baseball is a little mixed right now because usually when we come to this particular weekend of the year, we do not think the highlight of this weekend in terms of baseball is cheering for Southern as they beat Auburn <laughs> or scouting other teams for their pitching coach. No, we, we, we expect better things, but again, this is where we are and this is kind of what my, my message is about because as we all know, Baseball can break your heart. And here's how I learned this lesson. It was 1969. I realize that's a long time ago uh, before anybody in this room except Sally and Thurlow were born. Were you born Thurlow? Yes, you were barely born. But 1969, I am 12 years old, growing up in Jackson, Mississippi, and our family takes a trip out to California. I've got an aunt in Los Angeles. I've got an uncle in San Francisco. So we are going to make the great round trip. And I'm, I am pretty excited Although it is a long trip. It is a long way across Texas And if you've ever driven that. It takes a long time just to get across Texas. But we saw some amazing things on the trip. Saw the Grand Canyon, saw the giant redwoods and sequoias, saw the Yosemite Valley. Those were three things that I will never forget. But that's not why I was going. I was excited about two things on this trip. One, we were gonna go to Disneyland because It was Disneyland. And that's all there was back then. There was no Disney World back then. So going the trip to Disneyland was a big thing for a 12-year-old. And we were going to go to Candlestick Park in San Francisco, and I was going to get to see Willie Mays play baseball. I don't know why, but Willie was always my favorite baseball player. And, and he, he was my hero, and, and, and he, was, he, was, he was a great baseball player. He is a great person. But, uh, you know, most of my friends were Mantle fans, and in those pre-WTBS days, that, uh, we didn't even watch the Atlanta Braves. We, didn't, of course, we didn't have the Atlanta Braves on TV. So everyone around Mississippi was either a Cardinals fan, because you get those games on the radio, or they were a Yankees fan just because the Yankees were the Yankees. But I was a Willie's Mates fan. And now I was driving all the way across the country, five days to get there, to see him play in person in my very first Major League Baseball game. So we get to the ballpark. It is June 16th, 1969. I've actually looked this up to check the box score in in the newspaper. That was the date, June 16th, 1969. We finally get, we're in San Francisco. We're at Candlestick Park. We see the Giants. And Willie Mays is not in the lineup that day. Now, there were other great players. I mean, you had McCovey and you had Bonds, uh, Barry Bonds, not Bobby Bonds. No, Bobby Bonds, not Barry Bonds, excuse me. Going back, his daddy was playing for the Giants. We had Rose and we had Johnny Bench playing for the Reds who were in town. I mean there were some great players there, but I had come to see Willie Mays and I was just as crestfallen as any 12-year-old could be. On top of that, Candlestick Park was cold. I mean if you may have heard legends about it being a cold place in June. It was freezing and the Giants were losing, but we get to the eighth inning. The Giants are down. They get two men on base. The pitcher spot comes up. So Willie Mays comes up to pinch hit as the tying run in the bottom of the eighth. Now I'm excited. Now I'm engaged. Now I'm sitting on the edge of my seat. And Willie Mays strikes out. And the Giants going to lose the game. It was not a great day. And it ended up being a pretty good lesson. I didn't turn on Willie. He had disappointed me that day, but I still followed him, I still cheered for him, I still collected his baseball cards, and in many ways he's still one of my my heroes. But I did learn a little bit about heroes. I didn't give up having heroes or looking up to people, but it became very clear to me that even as a young at my young age that heroes are human. Heroes are real people. They are gonna let you down. They're not characters out of a comic book. They're not characters out of some other fiction. They're not always perfect and they are perfectly capable of striking out when it hurts you the most. Some truths lead you becoming cynical. But I was fortunate. I did not become cynical, but I started thinking, what makes somebody a hero? Now, again, I'm 12 years old. This this kind of came over time, but I've thought a lot about that day over the last 44 years. So I've had a lot of time to ponder it. But no, I'm sorry, it's 54 years. Good gracious. I am old. Ah, Gracious. That was a long time ago. I have thought about this a lot over the years and I do think about what makes somebody a hero? Why do we look up to somebody in the first place? And and it did take a while before all these thoughts kinda came together but they, they, they did eventually. And the good news is I did not become so disillusioned that I could no longer have heroes. And in fact, if anything, somewhere in there I learned that what is truly heroic is the ability to deal with the bad day, the ability to, to, to know what to do when everything goes wrong, the ability to strike out and then get up and go on and play another game. That's what makes people heroes. I learned very much as a young age that heroism is not so much to do with talent or ability, but everything to do with who you are. Everything to do with character. It was the same back then but I'm sure it's even more today in our internet culture. We celebrate talent no matter how well or how badly that talent is used. We celebrate celebrity. We celebrate wealth. We celebrate fame or infamy for their own sakes. I think one of the most important lessons I learned and learned young was that what makes true heroes and what doesn't make somebody a hero? And our culture has gotten it wrong so many times. I I I was really glad to kind of figure that one out fairly young. That's why most of my heroes were ordinary people. Ordinary people who got the figure out how to do things right when the circumstances were bad. I think of a family in my very first church. They were probably about my age when this happened. Their son and daughter-in-law were killed in a fire. And they took over the raising of their grandchildren. The grandchildren survived the fire. And at the time when they should be slowing down in life, they brought a 10- and 12-year-old into their house to raise. Teen, teenage or almost, teen, almost teenage boys because that's what needed to be done. And they did it. And I've seen it time to time. Pretty much every church I've served, I, I've seen this story. It's not always the same set of tragic circumstances. But because of some circumstances, sometimes it was military service, sometimes it was jail, sometimes it was a, a tragic death, sometimes it was just somebody not being able to take care of things. I've seen and been amazed by people who having raised their own children have found it necessary to raise their grandchildren. And they've done it. They've done it out of love. They've done it out of duty. They've done it just because it was what needed to be done at the time. And those are my heroes. My heroes have always been people who are willing to say the right thing at the right moment. Not necessarily the best orators or the the angry young people who are always up there making speeches, but uh, the people who are thoughtful in what they say and judicious in what they say. And they may not say a lot, but when they say something, it matters. When they say something, it is the right word, a word fitly spoken, a word that is heard and helpful and necessary. Some of y'all may have been to a, a Methodist annual conference. That's when we get representatives from all the churches and all the preachers together in one room. Now, as you can imagine, you get 800 preachers together in one room. There's a lot of speechifying going on. There are a lot of people who have big voices and big egos, and they just have to talk. And it can get loud. And some of them, you know, you, you go back year after year. Some of you, you just know they're going to speak every year. Because some of them just are overly fond of the sound of their own voices. And then there are the knee-jerk people that you know if this issue comes up, this person is going to stand up and make a speech for it. And this person is going to stand up and make a speech against it. And they do the same thing every year, every time the issue comes up. Because that is what they do. But there are also people... And we're fortunate to have a couple of those in, in this church who don't speak very often, who don't have to speak on every single issue. But when the time comes and a wise word, a calm word, maybe just a saying hush, when that word is necessary, they find a way to say it. They don't speak often, they seldom speak long, but they know the power of words and they know when to speak and when not to speak. And those are some of my heroes. My heroes are those who volunteer for service, whether it's military service, public service, the mission field. I, I've had any number of young people from my churches go in, into the military. I had two from my churches that have graduated from the Naval Academy and gone on to have that sort of career. I've had people who have gone into full-time ministry. I, I know people who are UMCOR workers who came when, the, when Katrina hit the coast, they moved to the coast and lived there for not just a couple of months, for years as things were being cleaned up and kept work. Y'all may not know this, but the United Methodist Church was at work, had a full-time crew at work after Katrina for over 10 years, when pretty much every other group had gone away and moved on to the next disaster. The Methodists still had the United Methodist Committee on Relief actively working to continue to rebuild the coast during that time. Some of those people were paid workers, but every week, every week, there would be volunteers still coming, able to share who they were. People who volunteer, who step up, who raise their hand, who say, I will go and do this thing. Those are people who are my, who are my heroes. Some of my heroes are preachers. Some are, some are teachers. Some are more traditional. Uh, I admire people who have the courage and faith to take a job and see a problem through and be part of the solution. I, I, I admire people who see the world and don't just complain, but say, how can I make it better? How can I make it a better place? And so most of my heroes are ordinary people. And I know they're not perfect. I know, and to tie the scripture lesson in today, there's only one perfect person, and that was Jesus Christ. There's only one that we can trust to never, ever let us down, and that is the Father who loves us so much. But we need heroes. We need people around us. We like people. And so even though we know that our earthly heroes, whether they're a preacher or a teacher or a baseball player, they may fail us sometime. We know where our trust is. We know where our trust should lie. My heroes come from all sorts of places admire astronauts just because I grew up in that generation. Johnny Cash was one of my heroes because as they say, nobody understands repentance quite like the sinner. Uh, I have heroes from the Bible. I have heroes from, from, from pastors who helped raise me. My dad is one of my heroes and I'll probably say more about that on Father's Day. But heroes are the people who don't always don't always succeed. They don't always win. Sometimes they fail, but they do the right thing in the right moment. I want to tell one more baseball story, another Willie Mays story. This one took place back in 1965. It was before my trip to California. And I don't even know if I read about it at the time because I was pretty young then, but I read the story later. I've seen the pictures and it's just an amazing story. This time the, the, the Giants are playing the Dodgers and it's Juan Marichal versus Sandy Koufax. And when I preached this at, at Black Mountain. There's going to be a bunch of old people there, and they will know who those people were, but those were the two greatest pitchers of that moment, and they were something. Well, anyway, Marischal, as he would, would tend to do, was pitching for the Giants, and he would like to brush people back, which means throw at the batter every once in a while, make them jump out, and again, it was a different day. You'd get warned. You'd get kicked out of games. They didn't get kicked out. Koufax threw so hard that he was generally afraid to throw at somebody. Because he was always afraid that if he threw at somebody, he might kill them. And so while the Giants pitcher was brushing people off the place and throwing it at them, Koufax wouldn't do it. So the Dodgers catcher decided to take things in his own hand. When Marischal came up, and believe it or not, pitchers had to bat back in those days. That would solve a lot of problems, I think. But the pitcher, the Giants pitcher came up to bat. And the catcher, who was tired of what he'd been doing, kinda as he threw the ball back to the other pitcher, threw it right past his head, kinda nicked his ear a little bit, throwing it back. Well, Marischal took offense at the catcher, Johnny Rosebear, and started a fight. But however, Marischal forgot the first rule of baseball fights, which is, you drop the bat. But no, he swung the bat at the catcher and caught him off the top of the head. Now, most baseball fats, b- fights are about, you know, they're mostly, oh, hold me back, hold me back. No, no, this was a fight. This was a riot. This was, people were bleeding. This, were, this was, bats were being swung. Other players ran out. Other players were carrying bats. It was about to turn into a riot. And into the middle of it, Willie Mays walked. Willie Mays on the Giants. The Dodgers catcher is bleeding. He walks up to the Dodgers catcher and says, Johnny? You're hurt. He grabs the catcher and takes him back to the dugout and puts a towel on his head. There's a beautiful picture from Life magazine of that moment. And it's Mays the Giant carrying the Dodgers catcher back to the dugout. And they're surrounded by the Dodgers. But no one's stopping them. No one's doing anything. Because this is Willie Mays and they know what he's doing and they know he's doing the right thing and the people who were there that day said as he as he took Roseboro back to the dugout and and tried to put a bandage on him he said Willie Mays was crying because it just wasn't right when the commissioner handed out all the fines and all the punishments they said you know a lot of people were stupid that day But what Willie tried to do, and what he did, he stopped a riot, was the best example of sportsmanship that he could think of. Even the Dodgers manager said Willie was the only person who showed a lick of sense that day. A hero is someone who will step in when everything's going wrong and try to make it right. Doesn't always work. Sometimes it backfires on you, but that day, it settled things down. That day, it stopped a riot. It's more than power, it's more than fame, it's more than the ability to hit a baseball, but you combine all those things with character, and it's about what's doing right. A hero is the person who does what they have to do, in that moment. Sometimes they fail. Sometimes they're mistaken. Sometimes their gifts are not up to the task. But the hero is the one trying to do the right thing and always trying to find the way to do it. We know that our earthly heroes are imperfect. But we all want heroes anyway. And so as we look at the heroes in our lives, as we look at the people that we look up to, we need to ask ourselves, why? Why are we looking up to them? Why do we really admire them? What are they bringing to us? We also need to bring up, look at ourselves, because every one of us, there are little people around. There are people who look. We got all these orientation leaders here today. There are are little baby freshmen out there that just are looking up to y'all this week because y'all know where to go, and they don't. How can I be a hero? Why am I a hero to my child, to my student? to my teammate, to my friend? How can I be the person who tries to do the right thing, who makes the attempt, great or small, be the hero for my friends, for my family, for my team, for my community? Let's think about those things this day. Let us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for heroes and we thank you for our heroes. We thank you for your Son who is our ultimate hero, our ultimate Savior. But we do thank you for the teachers and the coaches and the friends who have been our heroes, who have helped us become the people that we are. Help us to be the people we need to be. Help us to be the heroes for those who are around us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.